Welcome to Healthcare Hacks and Connections Podcast. Here you will learn all things podcasting, acquiring amazing tips and tricks required to transform your podcast into an essential tool to grow your business. On this show, we will bring in expert guests from across the healthcare spectrum. They will share their personal stories, discuss their struggles, and give real examples of how a podcast helped to grow their business. Now let's head into this week's episode. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. So today we have with us a special guest. He is a certified financial planner and founder of Be Wealthy Coach, where he provides educational coaching and fractional CFO services for online coaches looking to set up their money systems and use their financial data to make better decisions in their business. I want to welcome Justin Green to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Nate. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming on, Justin. I think uh, today's episode is going to be really good, especially, you know, people were, we're getting through tax season here, you know, and you probably are wondering about your numbers and, and maybe even the, don't even know what your numbers you should be looking at. So we're going to touch on that. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, a popular season for people to be talking about taxes. I think nobody likes to talk about taxes until this time of the year. So yeah you know, reluctantly, they are asking questions right about now. Yeah. So Justin, for listeners that don't know about you and your background, can you just give a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, great introduction. Thanks for that, Nate. Like you said, I'm a CFO for mostly online coaches and service providers. And what I'm doing is helping them kind of figure out the numbers in their business so they can maximize it and leverage it in their personal life. Ultimately, what I find is most people get into business, one, to help people, but two, to also like maximize their own lifestyle. And and I find that if you don't know the numbers, then it's really hard to figure out how to maximize that. So that's the gap that I'm trying to kind of fill with my expertise. You know, my background is actually a certified financial planner on like the personal wealth building side. So I actually have one business, which is Assist FP, where I help with like investment management and wealth building. And then the Be a Wealthy Coach is more the CFO and inside the business numbers. So that's where I provide a lot of support on like the business, the P&Ls, the bookkeeping, the tax strategy, and just kind of coaching coaches on kind of how they want to be approaching their numbers and be more proactive. Awesome. So Let's even get into that. You just mentioned a word that maybe people don't even know out there what it is. But if you're a business owner, you really should get, get used to looking at this thing and seeing that what it's telling you. So what is a PNL? Yeah, so PNL is really just what's called a profit and loss report. And, you know, if you don't have any bookkeeping systems, it's it's one hard to even to have a PNL. So you kind of have to back it up a little bit. In order to have a PL, you need to track all your income and all your expenses, which is essentially what bookkeeping is. And you can do that through some of the popular softwares. Uh, QuickBooks is a popular one. It's probably the industry standard for accounting professionals. It costs maybe like 30 bucks. So it's it's not a major expense, but I do know some newer coaches, or if you just started your business, they're kind of hesitant to add that. So Wave is a free software. And then of course you can do you know, old reliable, which is Excel spreadsheets, but I don't usually recommend that just because unless you're a numbers person, using a spreadsheet is actually going to probably discourage you from looking at your numbers. So I don't usually recommend that. But once you get into the habit of tracking your income and expenses, you want to be able to pull what's called a profit and loss report. 
And that sounds fancy, but really all it is at the top, it's going to show your overall revenue. Then you're going to take out what's called cost of goods sold, which is just an expense directly tied to what you're selling. And then pretty much all of your other expenses. And then at the bottom, you're going to get what's called a net profit. For this conversation, those are really the, if you're just learning about a P&L, those are the three most basic areas that you need to be looking at. Revenue at the top, expenses, so revenue minus expenses, and that equals your profit. And profit is really important because that's what's kind of telling you, for the most part, like what's coming back into your pocket, right? If you're the business owner and your revenue is $100,000 a year, but your expenses are $90,000 a year, your business sucks. Like plain and simple, you know what I mean? And every industry is different on... Uh, what's a good profit percentage? And the reason is, is just that like, if you're running an online service business, you're going to have a higher margin than if you're running a type of business that has, you know, a physical office and supplies and lots of employees, right? And so you have to not compare yourself versus other businesses that are completely different and just kind of compare yourself against your industry And then also just yourself, right? You just want to improve and figure out what is your profit margin goal? And are you anywhere near that? Yeah. And I think what's good about like the P&L and and looking at it is like, you know, say you are already established and you have a P&L from last year, you can compare it to this year and you can see like, okay, where are we growing and how are we growing? That type of thing. Yeah. One of the biggest issues I saw before I decided to start kind of diving into the business finances. So when I was just doing the personal finances, I would get a business owner, they would come to me, they would want help. And I'd be like, okay, like, let me see your numbers. And they wouldn't have it. Or even if they did, they would be like, oh yeah, here it is. And I would look at it and I'm like, okay, like, what have you done with this? And they're like, oh, I don't know. Like my accountant just sends this over every month. I open it. I don't know what it means. So I just, I kind of open it, look at it and and move on. Right. And so they weren't getting any insights. They weren't understanding what the PL is actually telling them. And you actually said this earlier, like, what is the story that's being told by the PL? which I really like the way you said that, because that's, that is what's happening. Right. And it's not just one PL, right. You're comparing your PL from this month to last month to last year, this month, And you're looking for trends and insights and what is the story it's telling you? Is it telling you that your expenses are increasing at a rate double of what your revenue is increasing, which is bad, like bad news bears? Or is it telling you that like, hey, your revenue is like doubling and your expenses are kind of staying the same, which means your profit is going bananas. Like, you know, it's it's through the roof, right? And so you want to be able to figure out what do these numbers actually mean for your business, but also for you personally, right? That's ultimately the goal. You don't like the numbers are numbers, right? But what do the numbers mean for you? How does it personally impact your life? That's what you want to know when you're looking at a PL. Yeah, I think that was perfectly presented. And then you even talked about some earlier in the PL's net profit. And you have a book behind you that I love, Profit First. If you guys uh, have not heard of that book, you should get it. It is definitely a great way to introduce yourself into your finances. And then kind of like you're saying, it, uh, you know, being and accepting the role of CFO in your business. Yeah, absolutely. Profit First is a, a really good book. And 
essentially what it is, I'll try and boil it down, but it's, you know, it's, there's a full book on it. Right. And essentially it's just a cash flow management system. And while I actually like it, I don't implement it with that many coaches right away because I try and ease them into it. Right. And so the profit first system essentially says like, okay, create some bucket accounts. Right. And so we'll just use an example. Say you have four accounts, one for profit, one for operating expenses, one for taxes, and one for owner's compensation. Because owner's compensation is like what you're getting paid for the work you actually do in the business. Profit is actually the what you're getting paid for owning the business, right? It's your return. And excuse me. So what the book says essentially is like, you want to pay the profit first because traditionally it's revenue minus expenses equals profit, which is how the P&L is set up. But in theory, like if you pay yourself in profit first, then everything else will fall into place. So you always are profitable. That is in theory and it is a little harder to implement in, in like reality. And so, especially if a coach is having cash flow problems, the first thing I actually start with is taxes because most of the time they're, if they have cash flow problems, they're either behind on their taxes or they're not preparing for taxes. So I kind of balance between like, okay, pay yourself first or pay the IRS. Like they're both very important. They're neck and neck, right? You can kind of argue over which one comes first. So when I have a coach, if I want to ease them into that system, I'm actually going to start with the taxes account and just getting them set up with preparing for taxes. And so what it is, is a percentage system. So for example, if you have a thousand dollars being paid into your account, let's say you designate 25% to go to taxes, right? So every $1,000 that comes in, $250 goes directly into this account that's designated for taxes. So now you only have $750 to fill the other three categories. So I feel like that's a very basic understanding of what the system is. But whether you use profit first or whether you modify it, it's really important to have a cash flow management system and something that's telling you exactly what your money should be used for. And I do think that's one of the biggest misses that business owners have because they'll have a system for marketing, for sales, for lead gen, for you know whatever it is, client delivery. So whatever service they're providing, how they provide that, but they don't have any financial systems. And I think having a financial operating system is extremely important. Heck yeah, you hit the nail on the coffin there. I mean, like, I feel like, that is the most important thing to have because then we were talking about this before is like getting prepared for tax season. Then you're not like stressing about where's this money going to come from? It's like, no, I already have it saved, you know, or maybe you're paying quarterly taxes instead. And you're like, cool, this is already what I have deviated. So I don't have to worry about it versus if you don't have a, a system and then tax season comes and then you, I mean, let's say you did, you did, Let's say you did had a good year and it's like, okay, here's this $20,000 tax bill. And it's like, oh, what? You know, and it's like, oh, I didn't even like put aside anything. Now it's like, okay, now you're having to grab into your personal finances to even pay this off. And then you're like, man, should I even have done, should I even opened up a business? Did it, you know, and then, and then you're contemplating even going back to working for someone instead of continuing on your, your journey. Yeah. And that's a common issue because year one, you come out and like, you don't make a whole lot of money because it's year one and year one sucks for everyone pretty much. Right. None of this is no business in my opinion happens overnight. Right. And so year one's like, okay, that much revenue. So even when you do file your taxes, it's almost like, oh, you don't really owe anything because you didn't really make anything. Right. So you haven't like, you haven't had that reality check yet. Right. But then year two or year three kicks in and like it clicks, right. You get that hockey stick growth. 
And when that happens, your revenue goes crazy. And then you go to file your taxes. And that's like when you said like, boom, you get hit with that $20,000 bill and you don't have the cash to pay for that, right? Like most, if you're not preparing for taxes, that means you're honestly probably not managing your cash flow very well anyway. So you're not going to have the cash in the bank to pay that bill. And so then you're playing catch up for honestly, sometimes a year or two. Right. And, and that's usually when I hear from clients or uh, prospects, because if you're really good at this, you probably aren't reaching out to me for help. But this time of the year, I hear from a lot of people, right? Because they they realize they're unprepared for last year. And so we have to go backwards before we go forward. But the best time to be planning for taxes is like right now is the best time to be planning for 2023's taxes, you know, not 2022. But the reality is, is like you have to start somewhere. Um, and so I, you know, I've been really busy this time of the year because while I don't do the actual tax prep, I do help clients get their their numbers in order so they can give it to the accountant to do the tax prep for 2022. Now you even have people who they still haven't done 2021, which is never good. So yeah, I mean, you got to start somewhere, but you know, tracking everything will make your life a lot easier. And with anything in business, you know, I think it's good to you start now and you get the consistency in it, and um, you know, even doing it monthly. I think even profit first does tells you to do that. It's like, you know, let's, let's set up a time monthly schedule it. And it's like, cool, we're going to go through numbers. Here's all the expense, you know, and then you can write personal or, or, you know, professional, um, been deviating that way. And then that kind of leads us into kind of my next question of like, why shouldn't people write off everything in their business? You know, before I go down that rabbit hole, you could honestly do your business finances in probably like 15 minutes a week, right? If you just set on a calendar, maybe like Friday or whatever your admin day is where you do like in the business stuff, if you just set 15 minutes, you hopped in QuickBooks, you log your transactions, you categorize them. A lot of it can be automated. Like you can set up rules. It's not that hard. You can go on YouTube. You can learn these things. I genuinely actually think most business owners should do their own bookkeeping for the first year or better and then outsource it when they just... One, they they just need to free up their time because their time's too valuable now. So it just makes more sense to outsource it. Two, if they need the help getting set up. But then also if they're at a point where like, okay... One, I need to outsource it, but I need more insights, right? Like I'm, I'm categorizing this, but I don't know what any of this means, right? And that's where you need more of the CFO and not the bookkeeper. But I just wanted to empower anyone who's listening, like upfront, will it take you a little bit of while to catch up? Sure. But if you actually got this system in place, you could have this rolling. So you just had 15 minute calls each week with yourself, just a call, but like just on the calendar, you go in QuickBooks, you categorize everything and you move on. You know, it doesn't have to be a couple hours a week to be your own bookkeeper, CFO, whatever you want to call it. So why shouldn't you write off everything? Is that the question? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, first, because it's illegal. So <laughs> we'll just kind of call spade a spade here. Like anytime you hear someone say you can write off everything in your business, it's complete BS. So I'm calling bullshit on that. It's catchy. It will get your attention. It will suck you in. First, like first caution, if it's not a tax professional, don't listen at all. But I've even seen tax professionals that kind of use this to get attention. 
reality is, is as a business owner, the tax code was written in your favor, right? So there is a lot of benefits available to you as a business owner. You can get creative. You can write off a lot of things that a normal W-2 employee can't, but you can't write off everything, right? Like recently I had someone who was running their personal rent through the business. You can't do that. There's a home office deduction, but you can't run your personal rent through. And they weren't doing it to be intentionally like fraudulent. It was just a mentor had told them to do it that way, right? It's usually always comes down to someone gave bad advice, by the way. A car, if you're like 100% virtual remote employee, good luck with that argument when the IRS audits you and you have to tell them why you ran a car through the business when you're 100% remote. And so there's things that you actually like, yeah, on social media, you'll see like you can deduct this through the business, buy a G-Wagon because it's over, you know, 6,000 pounds and you get the accelerated depreciation, blah, 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 blah. If you run a hundred percent online business, do you really need a G-Wagon? Can you really justify that? Probably not. You know, and that the other thing is like, this is real money we're playing with, right? So people see the word a write-off and they think like, oh, okay, let me just go buy this or that because it's a write-off, but they don't actually need it. Okay, so this is how a write-off works. Let's say you go spend $1,000 on an expense and you're in a 30% tax bracket, right? Which means that's not exactly how taxes work, but for the example, let's say you're paying 30%. $1,000, you write it off. That means you save 30%. It's essentially a discount. So you had to spend $700 to save $300. If you didn't need that item or if you don't have the cash flow available then that math sucks. Like you spent $700 to save $300. That doesn't make sense unless you have the cash flow to justify it. And it's something you actually needed in the business. So what you'll hear in like December a lot is people will be selling on social media and they'll be like, oh, like, you know, it's a write-off, like lower your tax bill, like buy this coaching program, this, this, and that which is like all fine and dandy. If it's something you're actually planning on buying in 2023 in December of 2022, if you accelerate it, like, yeah, cool. You could lower your tax bill, but you were already going to buy it anyways. But then also now it's not available to you in 2023. And in theory, if your revenue is going up in 2023, right? So you're kind of kicking the can down the road with that. But essentially, if you don't need it, you're still just overspending, right? And I think that's what people miss. That's where they get to the end of the year and they're like, oh, I don't owe a lot of taxes. And they're like, yeah, because you don't have a lot of money, <laughs> right? <laughs> so if you if you actually make a lot of money and you keep a lot of that money, unfortunately, you're going to owe taxes. You know, Unless you're in real estate and that's just a different category, there's things you can do in real estate that is just beyond this, the scope of this conversation. Yeah, I think that was a perfect explanation of explaining taxes there. And I think also... Man, blank there. <laughs> we'll just go into the next question. I'll come back to my thought there. So you mentioned something about making sure you are cash flowed to even make the purchase. So how do you even decide that? Like your decision making in your business. How how should that be related to your finances versus like just making a decision like you normally would? Yeah. So I mean Cash flow is just money coming in and money going out, right? It's as simple as that. So how much do you have coming in from revenue from customers? And how much do you have going out to expenses and debt payments if you have debt in the business? Those are usually the two big ones. 
All right. And then what's left over and is what's left over enough to pay yourself? Are you including that in there? And if you are paying yourself, are you paying yourself like a reasonable amount? Not even just like based on if you're an S corp, you have to pay yourself a reasonable amount, but even like putting that to the side, like, are you just paying yourself enough for the work you're doing? Right. Nobody wants to do this forever and pay themselves peanuts. And then 10 years down the road, they're like, Oh, that was really fun. But like, I don't really have any money left over because I I didn't pay myself at all. And I just threw it all back into the business. And some businesses are sellable and some aren't really all that sellable. And so if you're building a business that's not really that sellable, then you need to milk the cash flow, right? You need to milk the money that you're getting year after year and then move it to your personal life, right? And so that's what I mean by like, do you even have the cash flow, right? So if you don't even have the money to pay yourself, then you don't have the money to be taking unnecessary write-offs because then you're probably just going to make decisions in your personal life. You know, whether it's like, hey, let me just put some things on a personal credit card. You're going to start racking up debt in other areas, whether it's in the business or outside the business, because you didn't actually have the money to even pay yourself. Yeah. And I think that goes back to something that is hard for even business owners to do is to pay themselves. I think a lot of people, they don't pay themselves. And early on, that's fine. And if you're building a business to sell, it's a little bit of a different conversation, right? Because yeah, you're not really paying yourself, but you're investing it back into the business. And as long as you're getting like a a rate of return that you can kind of measure, and then hopefully you're going to sell it as some type of, you know, uh, multiple of revenue. And so you'll get a lump sum later on when you sell that. And then, so obviously like that can be worth it. But if you're building a business that's not really sellable, such as like an online coaching business, I work with a lot of online coaches that's built around like your personal brand, right? They're buying into like Nate Navas. So it's like, if that's what they're, you're trying to sell, it's going to be really hard, right? So rather than plan for selling that business. And if you do, it's a bonus. You have to actually like milk the cash flow, right? You have to take that, pay yourself as much as you can, keep profit margins high, pay yourself. And then you can reinvest that however you want in your personal life, whether it's the stock market or real estate or whatever it is, but like build and grow that somewhere else. And then that profit margins, even what you mentioned there comes back to what we're talking about with write-offs. Like I'm dealing with it now as, as a business owner, cause I don't have a W2, right? I have to show profit now and I have to show a good amount of it. So then they're able to give me a loan to buy a house, you know? Yeah. Or- if you want to get a loan, like a mortgage car loan, most of the times you're going to need to show like at least two plus years worth of tax returns yep. with um with a decent profit right and so you know that's a that's a good point a lot of people will get caught up in the hype of like let me try and write off as much actually i have a client i was working with i'm working with i just met with them before this and they're thinking about buying and, and within the next like year or two um but then in the next breath they'll be like all right but we want to write off as much as possible and, and you kind of have to remind them was like those contradict each other right and that's the whole point of like tax strategy because like writing off as much as possible this year is like a very short-term focus but when we create a strategy and we know that you want to buy in two to three years, like we can think more long-term, right? How do we push these things out so you can write them off later on if possible? How do you delay purchases maybe a year or two, right? And so back to the original point, yes, you need to be able to show a profit, 
when you're going to these banks and saying, Hey, I want a loan, they're going to be like, Hey, let me see what you make. And if, if legally you show like, Hey, I didn't really make anything. you know, that's a problem. I have, I have a good friend who does financial planning for tattoo artists. And a lot of times they'll come to him and they're like, they're all like cash. Right. So they don't even show any income. Not I'm not even talking like low income. Like they, they show like no income and they're like, Oh yeah, I want to buy a rental property. And it's like, dude, you look like you make no money. Like according to the government and everyone else, like it looks like you make absolutely no money. And so that's, that's the scenario that you find yourself in. And that's also really good to know if you're someone thinking about leaving a job to go into self-employment. If you're like, Oh, I'm going to leave my job. Also, I'm going to buy a house in six months. Yeah. Don't leave that job. <laughs> like, buy that house and then leave the job. Right. Once you have the mortgage, you're good. But if you're preparing to buy a house, like don't jump into self-employment because that's that's not going to help you. Yeah, and it's it's hard um, to show that. So like even with me, right? Like I just purchased a new phone. Well, I had to. I was forced to. But most of my business is on the phone. But now I'm having to think back. It's like, oh, you know what? I'm going to tell my my bookkeeper actually take that off. I'm going to pay that with the personal instead because. We need to show profit for the business. Right. Right. I'm of the belief, unless you have a specific goal, if it's a business expense, deduct it. I mean, I'm not going to legally pay taxes on something I don't need to. Right. Yeah. So unless there's like a specific goal for why you're doing that, such as like a mortgage or whatever, like if it's a legit business expense, I like take the deduction. Right. Like why pay the taxes on that? That's my thoughts. But obviously everyone's situation is different. And so that's why you kind of build out those strategies. Yeah. And I think we were talking about it earlier, even before this call, we were relating it to, to the kicking the can down the road uh, analogy with uh, like Patrick Mahomes and his contract. I think we were even talking about with like Russell Wilson, you know, and making sure that we're not doing that because that bill does come due. And it, you know, yeah. And actually I see that a lot with debt. So a lot of coaches that will take on debt early on in their business. And it's usually high interest credit card debt or personal loan. And one of the biggest issues with that is whatever you buy with that debt is deductible the year you bought it. So let's, I'm going to use business coaching as an example, because I often see that being the reason they went into debt that early on. Because to run the business, the expenses are not that high, right? And so this is usually what they're going to debt for, right? So let's say they bring on $10,000 of debt for a business program that they invested in in 2022. So that $10,000 is deductible in 2022. It's probably one of their first years in business. So their revenue is already pretty low. So they're probably not going to owe a whole lot of taxes. In 2023 they're not going to be able to deduct the cost of that business coaching. The revenue is probably growing because now they're in the second year of business. So their top line is growing. They have less of an expense to deduct. However, the debt payments are still happening, right? So your cash flow is being squeezed, but your P&L isn't showing that, right? Your P&L shows a bigger profit number than the year before, but you're like, why do I feel so broke? And the reason is, is because you're paying on that debt. You kick the can down the road, right? And so you're paying on that debt. So this is where you have to go from like a P&L is really helpful. But if you have a lot of debt, you also then have to look at cash flow projections and see like what else is impacting your cash flow. But 
that's what happens. And then so your cash flow is really tight. So you don't proactively save for taxes. But then when you get to the end of the year, your PL looks like you did really well, which means you're going to have a higher tax bill. But you didn't have the cash flow to even pay for that. So now it's just this cycle, right? Where now you're going to be playing catch up the next year trying to pay the overdue tax bill. And so that's where I see debt really hurting business owners early on, especially when they take it out for something that you can't really measure a direct ROI on. Yeah, definitely. Debt is not not fun. And what I even did when I was starting mine is really getting down my debt down quickly and getting that off because, you know, that interest you're is a lot sometimes maybe it's like 12 percent, depending on the credit card or whatever you're using most credit cards gonna be like 25 30 percent geez that's what it is now (laughs) yeah 12 percent would be low 12 percent is floating around like more of like a personal loan um most credit cards once you get through with like the zero percent interest period if they have one uh they're gonna be around like 25 to 30 percent most of the time yeah yeah that so I would say try to get down that debt as quickly as possible if you're out there listening and take that down because like you said, you're going to be like, yeah, I made a lot. And then, but if you didn't take care of that debt, that debt is, it's going to be, it's going to accumulate and accumulate. It'll come back to haunt you. You know, and the reality is, is most business owners, especially online businesses, it's not the business expenses that kill them. It's the personal expenses, right? Because if they didn't adequately prepare with like a, a long runway, so now, now they have this pressure to bring a lot of money out of the business, but they don't have the cash flow to do that. And they just start not being able to afford their personal life. That's usually what will cause people to, to close the doors. It's not usually the business expenses, especially in the online world. Yeah, I think that's that's big. And I mean, just like we were talking about, you set aside 15 minutes you know, for your business and, and like, like breaking down the expense report and all that stuff, mm-hmm. you should be doing that with your weekly, I think with your personal. So then, you mm-hmm. know, like, okay, this is what in your, you're giving your money that you're using a job. And I'm just thinking of profit first. Cause you know, that's what it says is like, okay, mm-hmm. say your utility is a hundred dollars. Okay. It's like, okay, I make 2,500. All right. There's a job. Okay, now, you know, uh, rent is maybe like 1500 Okay, there's a job. Yeah, you're, you know, especially early on, but when you're self-employed or a small business owner, there's a lot of overlap between like personal and business, right? You want to keep them separate. Like, you know, rule number one is have a separate business bank account, a separate business credit card from your personals. So that's like, honestly, it's very basic. But if that's all you took away from this episode, that would be awesome. Like, open a business bank account. If you're not an LLC, you're only a sole proprietor. Technically, you can't open a business bank account. Just open a new personal account and treat it like a business bank account. So you want to separate everything. But you know, back to your point, it's really important to also sit down and figure out what are your personal living expenses. And I kind of call that like the baseline. And I wrote about this recently on the my weekly newsletter. And basically, you want to figure out what is your like personal baseline because early on in the business, that's like your goal, right? You need to get to that number and you really shouldn't be doing a whole lot else until you get to that personal baseline number in the business. Because once you can secure 
that cash flow to take care of your personal bills, that will take an immense amount of stress off of you and allow you to grow the business the way you want to and not be so focused on like short-term plays, like running all these like marketing promotions where you start to squeeze all the juice out of your audience and they just kind of get sick of you and they feel that like desperation coming through. You want to get to a point where like you don't need to be desperate for the money. And so the best way to do that is like just almost like sprint to that baseline number and um, be able to pay yourself that. And then you can start to kind of build the business revenue on top of that. Yeah, I like that way of doing it because that's even what I did when I was thinking of, okay, bringing in my wife into the business because I was I was like, okay, I'm paying myself this much. How much can we afford to pay her? And we were, I was looking at that. And then we were also like, what is, what, what do we need to just survive? Mm-hmm. And that was our main thing is like, cool. That's what we're going to pay ourselves. That's it. There's yeah, a little bit extra. Point you, at yeah. some point you got to think about like, okay, step one is like, what do we need to survive? And then it's like, what do we need to thrive? Right. Yes. yes. Nobody gets, nobody gets into business. Like this is what I try to tell people is like, I get it. You got into business to help people. Like we can move past that. We know that's not the real reason, but anyways, you get into business to help people and to be profitable. Right. And so like, nobody wants to live like pinching pennies, right? That's not the point of getting into business. And so like, you need to find a way to one step one survive, but then two, then how do we like bump this up? Right. How do we increase our lifestyle strategically and making sense where we're not like hurting the business. So yeah, that's step one, but then you need to start thinking about like, how do we thrive? And we won't go down this road, but there's a lot of really unique planning opportunities when spouses are in the same business together. So there's a lot of like saving strategies, self-employment retirement strategies that you can really maximize with the wife. And then, you know, anytime you guys travel or eat out, like you can kind of get creative. I won't won't say you can write off everything, but if you turn a dinner into, you know, a strategic meeting where you guys are talking about the business and you take, you know, the biggest thing with those is like, just take really good notes and just record it. So the IRS audits you and you say, no, this was a business meal. You know, my wife and I, who is my business partner, we sat down, we talked about these four things and you have notes to prove it, then you've got a pretty good argument, right? And so that that's why it becomes beneficial to have a spouse in the business. Yeah. So we actually do do that. So we have quarterly meetings and we go out to dinner. She'll bring a notebook because I don't pick great notes. <laughs> so she'll take the notes and, you know, we're discussing like, okay, how is this last quarter? And then we look to the future of the, the next quarter and we're like, cool, where are we doing right? And then what do we need to do more of in that, you know? And like you said, it's a business meeting. So it's like, cool, we can expense that. Yeah. And then you guys want to take a trip, you know, you plan it where it's like, okay, we're doing this like trip. It's a four day trip. I was like, okay, how do we turn, how do we turn it into an eight day trip and turn it into business, right? Like four days business, four days personal. Like maybe we have some clients out in this area, we can go meet them. Right. And so now you've you've, you've met the 50% threshold. So now your flights are deductible, your meals on the day of business are deductible, right? So you can't write everything off, but you can turn a personal trip into some business deductions legitimately and legally. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's, yeah, there's a lot of cool, and you can do that without a spouse in the business, but it's cooler when you can go with your spouse. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We might have to have you back on to talk about that because uh, that's how we did it with our our honeymoon. We, you know, we, we planned it perfectly that way. Yeah, no, that's and cool. That's awesome. 
that covered it. <laughs> That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, Justin, I always want to thank you for coming on. So my listeners know that we're towards the end of the episode. What that means is we bust out these things called pod decks. I don't know if you've ever heard of these. They're random deck deck cards that uh, have questions on them and it helps us dive a little more into you. Let's do it. That's All awesome. Right. Let's see. This is interesting. What would give you peace of mind? I feel like there needs to be more context to that, but. Uh, more money. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's an easy one. one. Yeah. No, um, I, I say that half jokingly, but enough money is actually the real answer because at some point you don't need more money, mm-hmm. you know, and everyone's enough is different. And I don't know if I've fully defined mine yet, but enough money gives me peace of mind. Yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it because a lot of people, like, you know, they'll chase making a million in their business. And it's like, cool, you got there. Now, like, are you just, is your goal just to keep chasing and keep chasing? Or is it like, cool, now, like you were saying, you know, you provided value, you're giving like free education away, you know, and things like that. Yeah, more money, more problems. Biggie Small said it best. There you go. There you go. All right. What's on your bucket list? This might be interesting. I'm a very boring guy. My bucket list. I mean, you're you're a Patriots fan, so maybe it's to like see the see the Patriots in the Super Bowl again. Super Bowls, so that's off the bucket list. Um, yeah, no, it probably would be a sporting event. You know, being able to afford and not worry about how it impacts your personal finance, but it could be NBA finals with the Celtics in it. It could be Super Bowl with the Pats in it. It could be March Madness final four would be really cool, but being able to attend one of those, those big sporting events and not sit with my wall touching the ceiling (laughs) or my back (laughs) touching the ceiling. I mean, I think that would be really cool. That would probably be on my bucket list. I actually, I'm not a huge international traveler. Um, Uh I I get a lot of anxiety when I travel, but I really like checking out. I feel like there's so many spots in the U S that are cool that I also haven't checked out. And so I think that would be really cool. You, You get to travel to a new city hosting one of those big, big events. And so that would probably be on there. Probably the NBA finals, Super Bowl or the Final Four for basketball? Uh, yeah, I think that that's fun for me because it's coming and I'm in LA. It's going to be the World Cup or something like that, right? Oh, uh, yeah, that's cool. I got to experience it at least once and be like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big soccer guy, but I got pretty into the World Cup this year. It was a lot of fun to watch. It was, huh? What is the number one tactic you stay, you use to stay organized? It's kind of interesting. Like software or could be anything, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna answer this twofold. So software, I use ClickUp, which is my project management software Love and note taking. Maybe you could teach me a thing or two. I'm still getting the hang of it. But then honestly, working out is keeps my mind clear and organized. And so I think I would be I think I need to include that as well. Like I always I'm to the point in my life where I'm an old man and working out's less about, you know, how I look and more about like keeping me sane. And I just always, I always wonder like how people can not work out. Like how do they function as an adult without doing some form of workout? And so I think I'd have to include that. That, that, that keeps me organized mentally. Perfect. Yeah. So I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast. So for the listeners that kind of resonate with your message and they're like, Hey, I want to work with Justin or Hey, I want to check out his podcast. How can they do that? 
Yeah, so I also have a podcast. It's uh, Dollars and Dumbbells. And you can find me on Instagram at Justin Green FP. F is in financial, P is in planner. Um, you can shoot me a DM if you want to work together and I'll send you over the application. I am actually about to have my first child here in a couple of weeks. So I won't be taking on any new clients between now and probably May, but shoot me a DM. We can get you on the wait list for May. And if you needed, you know, like an accountant or someone to do your taxes for 2022, just shoot me a DM. And I, I have, I have recommendations I could get you if that was like top of mind for anyone listening to this. But I just wanted to give a heads up. I am waitlisted until probably May first. That's awesome. I'm glad that you set that boundary, and you're you know you're not. Yeah, we'll uh, see how it goes. Stretching yourself. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for coming on again, and then for listeners, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe for more, guys. Peace, guys. For more inspiring conversations like this one, I invite you to join my free Facebook group, Healthcare Hacks and Connections. Also, be sure to subscribe, rate, review on Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Lastly, be sure to follow our socials on Instagram, the podcast underscore doc, and Nate Novice on Facebook. Thank you and have a great day.